Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the Artifact Accidents Ward of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who will be in the visitor's tea room. Thank you very much. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Doing well, sir. How about yourself? Just fine. I, I just want to get out of this, get, get it out in the forefront. I was right. Mm-hmm. I was right. And I was right. <laughs> I was right to be obsessed with the portraits. I knew that there was something else going on. And my continued questions, I, Sarah, you did a great job because I did not suspect that, that I was barking up the exact right tree <laughs> and you were trying to avoid spoilers when you're just like, stop asking about this. This is, this is a five book payoff at this point. Can we all just acknowledge that this is possibly the longest running question series we've had? <laughs> This is in the category of things of where, BJ, I, I'm, I really appreciate that you're occasionally right about these things. I also really hate it because it gives you the most <laughs> utter smug bragging rights forever. Like, oh, Spencer, you're, you're doubting me here? Remember the whole portrait thing in Harry Potter? <laughs> Just saying. This is going to be 30 years from now. You're going to be bringing this up about something. Oh, yeah. I will say, and I, I think that, Sarah, you're going to be a little bit unhappy about this, but this might have been my favorite scene in all of Harry Potter so far of Dumbledore basically saying, I have all of the previous headmasters at my disposal for Mm -hmm. a spy and informational network. You are pledged to me. Now do my bidding. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) It's a hell of a flex. So we are on chapter 22 of um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The chapter title is St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. We have some segments that we do here. We, we do. A, we have a rapid-fire recap, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer, we award house points, and then there are questions and queries and qualms and quibbles, although I would argue that there should not be any of them because we have major questions that have been answered about the portraits, <laughs> and so we never have to ask them again. Well, not those questions. <laughs> Just, there will always be others. Let's Sarah, all take a victory lap and move on. <laughs> well, but before we ever could do a victory lap, Sarah, this is by sheer number of pages. Got to be one of the longest chapters we've done. It's in a, a while. solid twenty-five. It's chunky. It's a it's a chunky, hefty. <laughs> what other fat phobic terms can we use? Because apparently that's a thing we worry about now too. Bloated. With, well, pro- <laughs> bloated. It is. Well, I don't know. It's it's pretty <laughs> dense. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking more heifer. There's some muscle mass here. It, um, yeah, and I am not on a good streak with these rapid-fire recaps. Um, so I'm actually, I think I can get this under two minutes. I'm going to go straight under two minutes, see if I can get, as as Spencer, you learned in another podcast that you do with my husband, I'm going to see if this can be a get-right game for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have such hopes. We'll <laughs> see what you're able to accomplish. All right. Two minutes set. Uh, the stopwatch is ready when you are. 
They troop up to Dumbledore's office and McGonagall prods Harry to tell Dumbledore about his dream. He tries to do so, but gets increasingly irritated that Dumbledore won't look at him. Dumbledore latches on to the important question, where was Harry in the dream? He has to admit that he actually was the snake. When Harry says Mr. Weasley is seriously injured, Dumbledore launches into action, dispatching headmaster portraits to their twins in the ministry. Dumbledore asks some questions of a cryptic instrument, and then headmaster Everard returns, having ensured someone found Mr. Weasley. Then Dillis comes back, confirming he's been taken to St. Mungo's. Both say he looks bad. McGonagall goes to tell the other Weasleys, and Dumbledore struggles to wake up another portrait, Phineas, whose other portrait is none other than the empty one in Grimmauld Place. He's sent to warn Sirius that they're on their way to the house. The Weasley kids come in, and Dumbledore sends them to Sirius by portkey. Just as they're leaving, Dumbledore finally looks at Harry, and Harry's scar sears with pain, and he feels an overwhelming hate. At Grimmauld Place, Sirius and the kids demand to know what happened, and Harry tells them about his dream, but skirts around where he was in it. After heated discussion about how soon they can get to St. Mungo's without it being suspicious, they settle in, giving Harry plenty of time to wallow in his guilt. Mr. Weasley comes from the hospital, or Mrs. Weasley comes from the hospital early the next morning. Arthur will be all right, and horribly for Harry, she's grateful to him for sounding the alarm. Harry pulls Sirius aside and tells him the real story, including the last moment with Dumbledore, but Sirius brushes it off. They head to St. Mungo's with Tonks and Mad-Eye as guards, where they're directed to the creature-induced injury ward. Mr. Weasley looks remarkably well. They just can't take the bandages off or he'll bleed out. He skirts around saying what he was actually doing when the attack happened. Uh, when the kids are shoot out so Tonks and Mad-Eye can go in, they pull out the extendable ears and listen in. They can't find the snake, and everybody's worried about Harry— in fact, they're worried that Voldemort might be possessing him. When they pull the ears away from the door, everyone's staring at Harry in something like horror. Oh, wow. I overcorrected on this one. time to spare. <laughs> 142. We, 142, 13. Should have made a bet, Sarah, but you got your points. I would not have. I would have lost the bet because I would have put too much time down. Mm-hmm. I did not think when I cut some stuff out of that summary, uh, I did not, in fact, think that I was going to make it down that far. But- in light of those cuts, we run it by BJ. BJ, was the summary sufficient to meet your proper Slytherin standards? If you feel that amputating Mr. Weasley's leg would be an appropriate treatment, then you successfully did a, a recap of the chapter. Sometimes that's all you can do, BJ. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. we're healers here, not doctors, so... I mean, if he only has one, then... <laughs> um, all right, BJ, what are you wheezing about? Um, I have, I have some wheezes. Uh, I have some, I like that we're being consistent that, uh, Professor McGonagall's in a tartan, uh, house dress, I I assume. Um, I still, I have to readjust my headcanon for her being Scottish because she a hundred percent is, and it doesn't come through in anything else. I'm pretty sure it's because JK Rowling has no idea how to write a Scottish accent. (laughs) And so it just, like, wasn't going to be in the cards. Uh, but she 100% is. She absolutely is. I feel like the only people who actually get accents are Hagrid and legitimately foreign people. Yeah. Um, and they're not great. No, well, no, I was not <laughs> going to stretch that far in my assessment. It, it does make it does make you ponder what realm of British accents, because there is a hell of a range of British accents, Rowling is just deeming normal enough to not be accented on the page. Like, do we reach a level of complete incomprehensibility to Americans in that just realm that she's like, eh, sure, yeah, that's basically British standard. I don't think she is considered Americans at all in any of her writing. (laughs) And quite frankly, at this point, I am uncomfortable discussing what Rowling considers quote-unquote normal or not in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I'm We're we're struggling over here sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is 
is a great turn of phrase that has no real bearing on anything, but is very amusing to me. What I talked over you, BJ, what turn of phrase was it? A mundungus-like whiff. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just uh, very on brand. I, You can see my commitment to my uh, bit waning a little bit because, you know, I should have counted M dashes in this chapter, but <laughs> it was a little aggressive as I, you know, as I was reading it this, this morning. I like that you, this is the only thing I've ever seen in any situation that has worn you down, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do feel like, you know, it, it's a, it's a necessary thing that the glories of OCR should, optical character recognition should be put uh, to bear on in these books. <laughs> Just, you know, are there more M dashes or uh, ellipses in the book? Sure. How many do they number? Uh, I love that Harry doesn't expect there to be magic in magic places. It is... Never. It's mm-hmm. got to be a running joke at this point, because just ha- like we discussed in the last chapter, the amusement of superstitious wizards, mm-hmm. uh, Harry has got to be just... J.K. Rowling decided he was going to be the straight man and <laughs> is is committed to the bit. Yes. And yeah. it's it's still funny, but <laughs> but it's also just like... You do realize that you're painting your main character as dumb as a doorknob a true, regularly. A true idiot, yes. Yeah. It, it is almost that level of just wide-eyed sense of wonderment at anything that everybody else just deems utterly mundane. That's, it could be adorable or just completely frustrating to actually around that person. Mm-hmm. See, see, whenever he walks into a room, his eyes go wide. He's just imagining all of the wonders in the universe every single time. <laughs> I feel like... This is just adding a lot more credence to Harry's a dumb jock. And, you know, we had something terrible happen to him in his jock status. He's no longer the star quarter, no, not quarterback seeker, uh, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. you know, basically the same thing. And it's just, you know, wandering around like, "Uh, I don't know what to do. Well, he he is sort of like a dumb jock who is the, like, when his sport is taken away from him mm-hmm. he discovers his talent in one specific other area yes he's an idiot and everything else but now he's leading dumbledore's army and he seems to be doing a pretty good job at it um he's like the 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 quarterback who like suddenly has to pay attention in biology and discovers that he loves it mm-hmm. and no one can make uh- it compute <laughs> I, I was thinking that had to take over like the lead role in the school play or something yes, like that. Yes, that is, that just is like, oh, where, we, well. where we get in like a Glee or Riverdale or I something. Love, this feels right, yes. I, I adore the nicest things we can say about Harry is that maybe he could be an idiot savant. Yes. That's what we're going with this. <laughs> I mean, is there a maybe at this point? I, I, f- I feel like this is not a... I, I, BJ, I'm not, I'm not willing to assume that you're going to give him the savant part of the idiot yet. I'm still waiting to hear you say it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see where his success goes. But, you know, he seems to be relatively successful at coordinating people to, at, as a leader, as a, as a, I guess, charismatic leader, which is essentially what the quarterback is anyway. So, Fair. you know. He's got that kind of charisma that doesn't come actually from anything he uh, puts out into the world. It's just... The reputation, what he's survived and accomplished, his story speaks for him rather than he actually providing any addition to it. Yep. Fred, George, and Ron stepped after them, semicolon. 
Harry glanced around at the jostling crowd semicolon. Not one of them seemed to have a glance to spare for the window displays as ugly as Purge and Dowd Limited's, nor did any of them seem to have noticed that six people had just melted into thin air in front of them. We have a sentence paragraph again, and it has multiple semicolons for reasons. Mm-hmm. The, the rare multiple semicolon sentence that is not a list. That is not rare. <laughs> or it's not as rare as it should be. Rare in the world, not rare in this world. Um, I'm still continually amused by the, well, we should have alliteration in names because they're easier to come up with that way. Dillis Derwent is, is a pretty good one. And we have a W and I'm forgetting what it was now. Um, but Was it Wittershins? Yeah. Uh, yes, I think it was. Um which I did mark because it was also funny, which Wittershin, uh, it's Willie Wittershins. Mm-hmm. Um, it does amuse me that that's actually a thing. Yes. Uh, and a word, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like we don't often have. Um, I I do necessarily need to point out that there there is a surprising alignment between myself and J.K. Rowling because we have a, a poster, a glorious poster, <laughs> a clean cauldron keeps potions... F- from becoming poisons and antidotes are antidotes and less approved by a qualified healer. It's mm-hmm. terrible. And I am here for it. Mm-hmm. I reread that this morning, BJ. And I thought if he doesn't bring this up, my heart will be broken. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could keep your heart intact. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to uh, the magical malady for, for an uncurable hex. Um, I was trying to figure out, if Smethwick, like Hippocrates Smethwick and August Pie were were things that are English references, because August Pie feels like a some tradition in Northern England that that I just don't know about. Um, it does make me a little sad. Um, to continue, this was a great chapter for me, by the way, of, of <laughs> all of all of the things that are going on and all of the wheezes that I have. That this was uh, high up there. Yeah. So Spencer, do you mm. think? Urquhart is a Lord of the Rings reference. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I mean, even though it's the Entrelic spelling curse that this, this Urquhart, no, not Urquhart. <laughs> I, 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 I still don't. Still going to go with no. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I think, I think that's all I have, but, but that, 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 this was, this was a, a solid chapter in terms of things actually happening and, I feel like we're back to true, maybe not true form, because it's usually in chapters that nothing yeah. happens, where we get all of these entertaining little things. But like, this is your best of both worlds here. This is this is a good chapter. This these chapters, I feel like your wheelhouse is these chapters where we find ourselves in a new magical location, mm-hmm. um, where there we are allowed to just have a lot of weird ass stuff going on in the background. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like. I think that there there are chapters that were that that are part of the initial thought process of the book, and mm-hmm. have like a lot of stuff written about them. And then there there are chapters that are like, okay, we need to get to the meat of the story that that I have planned out. And this was a planned out chapter. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of chapters previously that were like, all right, well, how do I get from point A to point B? Like, I think yeah. the the courthouse chapter. And chapters around that was like, 
a big point in the story. This mm-hmm. was a big point in the story, and we'll have a couple of others. Um, but... Well, coming off BJ describing this chapter as being his catnip, uh, my first thing that I really liked about this was uh, McGonagall just casually shooing away Mrs. Norris just because she's in the hallway and around. <laughs> just, I'm now convinced that there's just this elaborate nightly feline rivalry that's just going down the halls of just strict territorial battles for, t- b- battles for certain aspects of Hogwarts. Nope. There is, there is no battle. There, there is absolutely no battle. There is, there is a, this is my castle, and I allow you to be in it because we have a groundskeeper, basically. Mm-hmm. But... McGonagall is top cat and won't have anyone else suggest otherwise. Of course. <laughs> McGonagall doesn't even need to mark her territory, Miss Norris knows. Man, we're, we're going down a weird rabbit hole of fan fiction with that one. Um... Next thing I found, just it tickles me. I want to see fan art of it. Is Sleepy Fox? Sleepy Fox with a wing over his face. I was utterly amused. I was it brightened my days to even have that description in the the text. (laughs) Uh, One thing I really do love. I love every time we see Dumbledore, every time we interact with the person, how controlled and patient he is in terms of questioning them, guiding them to the point. He's such a wonderful professorial way of doing it. Of where. He's not to rush. He's not here to browbeat you. His just measure of control just brings other people down to the same level as, as he goes about it. And that, that aspect of discipline is something I've always quite enjoyed. So his tone and questioning of Harry, Harry's at an 11 because Harry is always at an 11 when he's trying to convey information to other people, which does not assist the process. And Dumbledore is just so unrattled by it and is just asking necessary simple questions that it has the natural effect of bringing Harry back down to a communicative five. I, I also it's think... consistent, I like it. I agree with you. I also think that Dumbledore has learned how to control his frustration by being quiet and staring at his hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and this was a, sweet Jesus, this child is... We've been through this for five years now. I don't understand why he doesn't just trust me at this point, because... I've been here for it. Well, yes. Overarching, yes, I agree with you, BJ. But there is a lot of weirdness in this scene that I am sympathetic to Harry with, with Dumbledore refusing to look at him. That has been going on over the course of the book. Yeah. Yes, will there there turn out to be good reasons for Dumbledore to have done this? Probably. All evidence that we've had so far suggests yes, but... Oh, that makes sense. I'm thinking it's in some way connected to the whole possession rumors and Harry, you know, looking to possibly, you know, murder him through impulse kind of thing. Th- those are our connecting data points, at least in this chapter, but mm-hmm. we'll find out more. Oh. BJS thoughts? Are there, are there thoughts I can know about? Uh, may No. <laughs> <laughs> Taunting. Is the, is the distinction between whether these are theories you're putting forward and things you think you know from other places? How those mix together. Mm. Well, I, I have a question that I think I can ask without any spoilers. Save it. And I will. It is it is not time for questions. Spencer, continue. Uh, BJ, as you said, we, we had no idea. Well, you had an idea maybe sort of, You had an idea how the portraits worked. I don't think you had put two and two together that all of the headmasters were assembled in the same room like Dumbledore's A-team, ready to you know go out in the world where necessary. We did talk about him getting advice and other things from them previously. Mm-hmm. So, But I didn't have the, they were the spy network 
mm-hmm. but I had anyway. It's a resource beyond compare. They're, they've got access to basically every institution and just random houses throughout the world. They're presumably, if their painting entity in any way mirrors their actual original form, an incredibly competent collection of, of, of wizards from time immemorial. And it's just an advisory board. It's people you can consult on a constant basis. They've seen it all, they have done it all, and they hopefully know it all, too. I just realized that it's way more powerful than I had thought about. And I hope it's used, but I bet it's not. Because chocolate frogs are everywhere. With the with those uh, pictures of prior headmasters and... The, and the all, like, them. powerful wizards and every like everybody else. And, yeah. Well, we have talked a little bit about the kind of, like... Chocolate frogs are kind of different because they're not, like, paintings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the relative amounts of magic that go into different reproductions of people we yeah. it's specifically come up it, in like the tiered. newspaper yeah the newspaper yeah it's like paintings and, yeah quality photographs uh newspapers and then probably like chocolate frogs are are you know were printed on a dot matrix printer so yeah. like it doesn't <laughs> yeah pa- paintings are practically like a what a what dreams may come level of just interconnected levels of reality mm-hmm. at constant basis they are a portal to, to, to parts uncontrolled um oh yeah do you think that there was a phase uh of portraits that drew from the muggle world so they were not realistic depictions and and we got something more akin to like a dolly or (laughs) some picasso (laughs) or the cubist phase was rough but it's a heck of a reason. I do, I do also enjoy the aspect that it is connected to the position. It's connected to the position entirely, and th- th- there is a certain level of institutional dissatisfaction with that fact in the form of Phineas Black, who is begrudgingly at best working for this particular operation mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, I had, com- I for some reason or other had forgotten about Molly Weasley's clock, uh, that appar- that apparently lets her know about the current state of all of her family members in a way that would be both incredibly useful and also completely massively paranoia inducing i mean i feel like of all the clocks that needs a cuckoo this is one of them (laughs) but also the idea that it doesn't give you any additional information if that's the problem yeah the information just providing has no purpose other than to just send you down a level of just losing functioning as a human whenever it goes off constant vigilance Don't want it. Don't want it. Good with that philosophy in other contexts. This one, mm. Mm, not so much. For danger, Will Robinson. Mm. Uh, as I said, the possession worries are interesting with respect to this. We've been talking about before the idea that Harry, that Harry, Dumbledore could possibly see through Harry because Harry can certainly see through him, but the idea that Dumbledore could potentially Voldemort. control his actions. Very, sorry, that's what I mean. <laughs> well, is it what I mean? I've been pondering that theory for a while. Yeah. Uh, but Voldemort Dumbledore control his actions. Yeah, there's overlap. Uh, Voldemort could potentially control Harry's actions is a new addition, uh, and it is... If this is something they're worried about, I'm going to accuse them of being overly blasé in terms of not addressing it, dealing with it, or discussing it. Because this should be front and center. This is not something that that should be kept from Harry. This is not something that should be just pondered when people walk out of the room. And pondered fairly openly, too, like this has been a recurring topic of conversation. This needs to be the the foreground, and I'm very curious as to why it hasn't been. I mean, I think it's a question of, you know, how many people think that 
possession is possible and mm-hmm. if that's a real thing. And I mean, I think you sort of just get to the crux of it where like how many people would actually know about it and be like interested in that stuff. Because like we know that the immediate they, circles that Harry is running in right now. Maybe, but like it really depends on like what the defense against the dark arts like training has been and who knows about things because like we're talking about uh like curse level stuff that's you know somewhere in that unforgivable curses level Mm -hmm. and and i don't think any of them are really possession like no i mean there is a sense that like part of the reason they're not acting on these suspicions is that so much between so much of what happens between Harry and Voldemort is just like nothing anyone has ever really seen before. Like it's kind of unprecedented how it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been hints, maybe hints about it um, or pieces of it in other kinds of relationships, but like it's, they're kind of flying blind on guessing what might be going on. Uh, I feel like it'll in a somewhat less warm and cuddly world, Harry would just be strapped into a pool like Minority Report style, just so they'd be constantly monitoring all the source of information that would be coming from that, you know, particular means of unique connection. Yeah. Um, and I think they still should, actually. <laughs> but uh, gonna gonna feel that that's not gonna be part of where the story goes here in a bit. Probably not. Uh, creature is the worst, <laughs> and I'm it's good I'm reminded of that every now and then. I mean, like. At a certain point, killing him would both be satisfying, and also he'd probably view it as you doing him a favor. So, just serious, at some point, snap, and I won't miss him that much. Uh, there is a constant war going on in, inside the Weasley family on the subject of trying to make those bastards see sense. They are obviously heroes of the story. They are always going to be on the side of good. They're always going to be fighting for it tooth and nail. But man, can they be short-sighted as all hell when there's some sort of emotional tension going on. But friend George saying, I don't give a crap about your order and just wanting to just charge in and potentially reveal everything is very in character and equally frustrating and just almost indicative of the entire Weasley family. Uh, that was, and on that point, that was the most master level of control we've ever seen from Sirius Black in not murdering them <laughs> when they accused him of not risking his neck in service to the cause. Yes. He kept his cool. He kept a Dumbledore-worthy level of tone. He calmed the situation. I didn't know he had it in him. I'm impressed. I feel like he's been having semi-regular tea with Molly at this point, and <laughs> it's been really good for his character progression. Sure. I, that's very possible, because even in this scene, we see what, for us, is come, almost coming out of nowhere, Sirius and Molly burying the hatchet. Mm-hmm. And then I... I, I if you've written off is just that war as a way of just making odd bedfellows and making, you know, be, fi- fixing old issues that are no longer important. But as you said, they've been, you know, sharing a house for a while. Perhaps she just has that natural calming effect on people. Or maybe it's just the chamomile. <laughs> uh, the debate between uh, Sirius and Harry on whether Dumbledore tells him anything is something that I feel like we've been talking about the entire damn book series. And... Sirius, I don't know whether he believes it or not, but adhering to the idea that hey, you know, he'll let you know what's important is what everybody always tells Harry, and I'm calling bullshit. Dumbledore, in particular, will not tell Harry when it's important. Dumbledore will keep it to himself, until which point it is at either prime learning experience moment, or the story is in its last two chapters and we need to spiel <laughs> about what the hell happened. So, the so what, it, what this is, is you, you have uh, formulated the... Uh, grand 
uni unifying wizarding theory, which is Dumbledore's uncertainty principle. Information is either it, gravely important or not important until it is spoken to Harry, and then it collapses in its state to, to finalize and solidify the the outcome of of the terrible things that are going on. I share a similar level of frustration with uh, as Harry does with you right now for that description <laughs> because yes, but also God is that useless. Um, on a similar point, Sirius just completely nipping the conversation in the bud on the subject of Harry wanting to talk about his you know snake visions and wanting to attack Dumbledore. I feel like the Order of the Phoenix is an institutional desire to just constantly sandbag Harry. Just mm. Harry does not need to know. Harry does not need to be kept in the loop. Harry, despite having the best connection we have and going through hell, will constantly only be told when there is a triple sign memo from Dumbledore saying, and now Harry can be brought in the loop. I mean... I would be as frustrated as Harry is with this shit. I, I agree, but I think the suspicion that telling Harry things allows things to get back to Voldemort is maybe the most reasonable view of like how they deal with giving Harry information and understanding that he is a super important conduit and it's not intentional but discussing that fact outside of a very few select people I think even more widely within Order of the Phoenix would be problematic. But Harry's talking about it with people. If, Dump if Voldemort can see Harry talk about the things that he's been seeing, whatever else, then he can know about them through that. It, 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 the cat's already out of the bag. Yeah. Harry's not, Harry's not good at censoring himself on any subject. He just talks about everything. Because he doesn't know he's not supposed to. I think that the, at least with Dumbledore, the, the idea that, that I would, you know, go with is that Voldemort's not a better wizard than Dumbledore. And... And he's probably not a better wizard than a, a couple of other, uh, like, more powerful wizards. He is powerful. He is, uh, he gathers other like-minded people about him. But he doesn't know the ins and outs of a lot of wizarding that these wizards know. And so sharing certain information with Harry Potter, if there's a conduit, could provide Voldemort with a lot more information than he has just with the conduit that he has with Harry. And I think the conduit that he has with Harry is is not just like a, you know, open phone line kind of deal. Uh, and so it's not like he knows everything that Harry is talking about. I think that it's going to be in vulnerable states and dreams and things like that, that that conduit is open. And then what he gets are very different bits of information. That if that's the case, there isn't a danger necessarily about talking with him. If, 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 there, if that is the assumption about when Voldemort can have access, that it's just not a constant stream of information coming in, that it is selective and is at key moments, then there's no danger about talking with Harry about moments that you know you can control or moments that are at lower risk. But that, but Harry, like Harry would have that in his mind as these conduit things are open because Harry is a dumb jock that that doesn't have any subterfuge or any like other thought process like if Harry was like you know if Dumbledore had a like you know can't you can't talk about this information uh and don't, how the conduit works that would be the only thing going through his mind for the next book and a half mm -hmm. but, but 
that, and, and, and that is a point that we just don't necessarily know how it works about does when dump, uh, Voldemort possesses Harry, is it a means of gaining all access to information that Harry has in his head, or is it just purely a looking through the lens? I mean, it seemed like Harry, at least when he was occupying the snake, had a certain feel of emotions attached to it, but wasn't like drawing greater knowledge, though admittedly, snake. Not, not We can't necessarily assume certain aspects of, you know, data retention in the same way. So it, it is unclear as it works, and no one's telling us how it works, and we're not going to find out until after the book's already over how it worked. I know how these stories go. You'll note that I am staying very quiet in this conversation. Uh, uh, the things I was more amused by, Mad-Eye and a jaunty bowler using it to cover his eye is a look that I just want to see. What Again, give me the fan art. I want to see that. Uh, I'm also fully with Harry that Tonks, with her just ever-changing hair, no one's going to bat an eye on on the tube in terms, in terms of her walking about. Uh, uh, do we get the color of the bowler? I, I don't, don't remember. I don't think it's the lime green bowler that Cornelius, Cornelius Fudge wears at other I don't points. think it is, but I also imagine that it's probably not black. Probably not, mm. no. But I don't remember them saying. Maybe it's tartan. Uh, uh, Purge and Douse is a surprisingly perfect name for, you know, the department store for Mungo's to be occupying. That is a, that is a, that is a great, <laughs> that is a great pairing for a medical institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a list of the various floors of Mungo's. Uh, they are artifact accidents, creature-induced injuries, magical bugs, potion and plant poisoning, spell damage, and of course, as Sarah said, the visitor's tea room and hospital shop, which would love to go to that place uh which is also we, interesting that that's on the fifth floor or oh never mind uh i was about to say something that that was incorrect the <laughs> I, the, the the welcoming witch is uh, like at the entrance mm-hmm. not on the fifth floor and and mm-hmm. i was going through it and uh misread it i do appreciate that almost everything has an etc other than <laughs> the excitement that that jk rowling had for Scrofungalus, and I was just like, I am going to list these things out and not etc. This because because I fa- I came up with something great, and we're not going to yada yada. <laughs> uh, in, in terms of the two patients we have up front, the steam whistle witch, and what may be the most horrifying thing I've had described in a text in a while, the vibrating bell guy that had which... to grab himself by his ears to stop ringing. Mm-hmm. That that's horrible. That is utter. No, just shoot me. I don't want to endure it for another minute. I really uh, want a like house-like TV drama set in St. Mungo's. Down <laughs> this for This is it. everything Completely. I want. Well, I, I was just curious from an organization standpoint, where do you think those two, uh, that wizard and that witch, would be going to of the, of the various rooms that we have, the I various mean, floors we have? So I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the bell one would be a magical bug because it's probably contagious since he has the clap. <laughs> oh, oh, you genius! Uh, not even gonna, not even gonna be annoyed. That was clever as all hell. So yes, Approved, this is yeah. an STD. But I mean, we, it's, it's both of these are very unique conditions we've never seen before, and so I was pondering whether it didn't seem like this is a creature. If there's a creature that bites you and you turn into a vibrating bell, the world is horrible. They they feel uh, like they both could be artifact accidents too. That's this, true. This is either, this is either very unique spell damage or artifact actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the line from, I think it's Ron, about doctors, those muggle nutters that cut people up, nah, they're healers. 
gives me such wonderful Dr. McCoy Bones vibes from Star Trek The Voyage Home about him talking about, don't leave Chekhov in the hands of 20th century medicine. <laughs> what is this, the Dark Ages? That tickled me. Uh, the poison from the snake keeping the wounds open. Uh, that is a thing. Certain snake mm. venom does yeah. actually do that. About the, For example, the Waggler's Pit Viper is being heavily used in research to actually prevent platelet clotting. Mm-hmm. Which I, I remember reading that article a few years back, double-checked, it's like, oh, yeah, that is a feature. Uh, <laughs> it also reminded me that... Um, you, guys, you guys ever heard of the Mad Monk Rasputin? Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he was famous and he got into the... You Russian mean the Russian order. satellite? What? Uh, it, Destiny. Oh, yes, sorry. That, man, I haven't <laughs> thought about that game in a minute. Um, but he got into the Russian court because he had seemingly magical healing powers, particularly with respect to Tsar Nicholas's son, Alexei, who had uh, hemophilia and would not stop bleeding. And be like, he could talk to the kid and suddenly his blood, his, uh, he would be able to clot and would be able to stop bleeding and his bruises would stop expanding. So modern scientists have looked at it and said, probably the best thing that he did, because he did have a profound effect, was prevent doctors from getting in the room to actually treat the kid and just let the kid stay alone and be calm for a minute because the primary means of treating hemophilia during that period was to give them aspirin which is has the effect of causing blood not to clot man isn't it fun what medicine learns over time through lots of people dying (laughs) but reminded me of that uh and also just another example there is no justice in the world they finally caught the toilet vandal and he bribed the officials and got off it's like ron's dad is just dying inside right now the, his opera his plan his goals throughout the entire book he was off camera for it the guy got caught and then he just bribed officials but there is hope his doorknobs apparently may finally sink him but that, that is all I've got in terms of notes. There was a lot going on in this chapter, but I feel like between the three of us, we've addressed most of it. Yeah. Uh, in light of that, Sarah, a lot of characters, a lot of things going on. Who the hell wins and loses this chapter? Yeah, I mean, I think we've got some options. Um, I did actually put a little bit of thought into this for once before <laughs> hey. we got to this moment. Um, I am, of course open to suggestions, but I actually I want to put forth as one of the winners of this chapter, serious. Yep. That is a good call from what we saw. The man is turning. The man is healing, improving, turning over the leaf, whatever we describe it as, but he is almost a completely different person than where he was a couple books back. And he gets the kind of immediate gratification of Harry and all of his friends are back in the house, and mm-hmm. they have to spend Christmas there. <laughs> and he's in back in the good graces of Molly Weasley, Correct. which, mm-hmm. like, not being in her good graces might be worse than being a target of Voldemort. This, yeah, this might be another sort of let's keep track of where Hedwig is situation. Where are you yeah. in your standing with Molly Weasley? We'll tell you a yep. lot about how your day is going to go. I, I, um, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, the, everything is coming up serious in this chapter. Speaking yeah. of, do you think Harry will remember that, that Hedwig is back at Hogwarts over Christmas? Or it is like Hedwig just like she might completely... Have, so they were going to send their trunks and stuff from Hogwarts because they're essentially just got released early on Christmas break. Yeah. I hope someone remembers to send Hedwig. I picture Hedwig just showing up like a few days into the break, just very, very disgruntled. Guys. <laughs> Guys. Um, you left me in there with all of those non-snowy owls. Like, this is not <laughs> okay. This, oh, is, been... this is supposed to be a white Christmas, guys. Oh, God. It has been a solid book, BJ, since you went on that oh, God. Trip. Um Sarah, who loses other than us and BJ's you no know, white power owl, owl, owl rumors? 
Um, I don't, I mean, I think that there is a, a strong case to be made for Harry losing this chapter. Um, okay. He's, he's pretty, he's pretty kerfutzed throughout the chapter with sort of his guilt and how is he going to keep the information under wraps that he was, he was actually in the head of the snake and what does that mean? Et cetera, et cetera. And then he ends the chapter as if that weren't enough as a sort of steady state throughout the chapter. He ends the chapter with like not only him learning, but his friends learning that he may or may not be being possessed by Voldemort, which feels like something that he maybe had in the back of his mind, but hadn't articulated (laughs) to himself because he can't like, that's such a, yeah, that's a, a that's hard thing to come fear. to bear, come to terms with. Yeah, right? yeah, that, that's in the worst fear category, right there. Yeah, it's like he, I mean, he, I that, think that, that, is, that. Go ahead, Spencer. Yeah, that, that's an aspect of himself, an aspect of his background that he's been constantly warring with, looking, hoping to deny to the world and having no grounds to ever remind himself about. And so to have friggin' Mad Eye, who probably knows better than anybody what's going on, respect to this, say, "Oh yeah, that's almost certain. That's that's quite possibly what's going on here." Just casually talking with the rest of the order as if it's out there and they're all all also discussing it. And then have all of his collection of friends here at the same time. Proper nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I think it also brings up some of the uncomfortable and doubts and and everything else surrounding like the culmination of the last book and what came out from uh, the Daily Prophet with Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, is he in collusion and you know, where, where does Harry stand in these things? And, and to, for him to go from, like, I am on the side of good and opposing to maybe my visions of, of Voldemort are a little bit more both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think he might have had some doubt at some point, but, you know, this is really taking that to the forefront. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, I think Mr. Weasley needs sort of an honorable mention of loser of the chapter because... I mean, he is basically bleeding out to death. Like, yes, he, he's a sieve. But yeah, but I will say yes. But he is in good spirits. He is posit- He is chipper to the point. I'm wondering about wizarding painkillers. <laughs> he's yeah. He's pretty healthy as long as they keep giving him. What were they calling it? It's some sort of blood reinvigoration blood. something. Yeah. Something I mean, that sounds like also... what billionaires are actively doing now. Yes, <laughs> constant transfusion. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this also does feel like. He could be on death's door right now. Like him yeah. being chipper and being like, well, everything's fine. I just can't take yeah. the bandage off and have to every hour take this potion that's probably, sure, you know, not not just like hanging a bag of plasma uh, type potion or, you know, hanging a bag of uh, whatever else mm-hmm. uh, is kind of like he might be almost dead right now, yeah. uh, taking a stiff upper lip uh, to its logical conclusion. If they were a family that was more built around hiding what their actual feelings were, my assumption would have been that he's just kind of maintaining a strong face for the sake of his family and is almost having a forced element of cheerfulness there, but the Weasleys don't do that shit. Mm-mm. The man's just positively happy that he's talking with I his mean, family and not yeah. not at all focused on the subject that he has just an open, seeping wound. Uh, because, well, the whole Weatherby situation, I feel like, is they do, he does do that. Weatherby does that, or I mean, but yeah, like, but Mr. Do, Mr. Weasley around yeah. Percy, who? Well, but but that's that that is so pointedly a out of character kind of moment that that is so much how they would not normally react. It stands in stark contrast to how they normally go about themselves. 
that the, the fact that there is any area that is just not subject to discussion that's immediately a closeout is itself revealing a problem because that is just not the norm. Yeah, but they also have like a relatively happy, good life. So like there isn't sure. a whole lot of this terrible thing happened and we have to deal with it. It's more like the biggest problem is children dealing with chores and throwing <laughs> gnomes. Like, and the omnipresent sense that a world war is about to start again in a way that still haunts your dreams from the last time it occurred. Sure, but like that's only a recent like turn of events in the past mm. like two books. So, you know, it's been a year, but like we don't know how they deal with trauma. We don't. And we have gotten, to be fair, we have gotten some some indications that the trauma really is A, seeping in, and that B, they might not be dealing with it that well in yeah. Molly's scene from earlier in this book with the Boggart. Yep. As Harry kind of pointed out. Yeah. So, unclear. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, all we know is that right now, at this time, apparently blood replenishing potions may make you a little high for how cheerful they <laughs> Maybe. So, you know, he's doing fine. One point. Yeah. 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 Doing it's it's all good. Great day. Uh, in terms of people who are probably not been doing as fine right now, Sarah, you ready, ready to move on to questions? Yeah, let's do it. BJ, you said you had like 40 of them. I'm just going to let you go. Uh, no, I had one that I think I figured out how to ask. Okay. Uh, do we know the color of Nagini's eyes? Do we know the color of Nagini's eyes? Not... Not as far as I rem- remember. There might have been a description okay. of them at some point, but I, d- I don't remember. I feel like, yeah. Okay. I just, I know I just confused you, Spencer, and I, I am a little bit sorry, uh, but not very. Yeah, uh, I'm now rereading through certain parts to see, was there any description there? What the hell is BJ talking about? Uh, I, I unfortunately do have a little bit of information that I shouldn't, um, and... Yeah, I feel like the fourth book would be where you would go to see if there was a like pre-existing description, right? Of them because um, we see Nagini. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, and that's sort of where my theories about like why Dumbledore might not be looking at Harry mm-hmm. uh, during certain parts like would come up, um, and it plays into a lot of other things, Spencer, which is why. Uh, I'm being cagey about it. No, no, you've always been good in the past in terms of t- simultaneously taunting, but also protecting me from, you know, spoiler information. So <laughs> this tracks. At, at some point, you're going to have to listen to some of the episodes and get very angry about certain things that, that I and Sarah have said once they get revealed. And it's going <laughs> to be so wonderful. You, you know, the only reason I would do that is so that you can be in the rooms to see my reactions. <laughs> I would not do it for my own amusement. Uh, it's unfortunate that I don't think that we have video of like Sarah's faces every so often when when certain things go in and she does the like wide-eyed stare at me and you're just like looking at your notes or something and so it's not at all revealing. <laughs> me, me completely missing available information and possible hints and foreshadowing as to events to come? That also tracks. Sometimes um, BJ's drawing on information that is not currently available is the main problem. Yes. Just, just even reading your respective faces <laughs> in terms of that data. Mm. Completely uh, missing it. All right, Spencer. 
Uh, actually, I'm not, I don't have any question. Just kind of in protest for Harry being constantly sandbagged about information. I'm going to stand in solidarity about never being never having anything revealed to me. Just let it, <laughs> let, let it occur. Um, I do have one one last one, mm. which is: uh, Have we had imperturbable charm before, or is that like a new? Because um, it seems like a really useful warding thing, and I just don't remember if that's what they did at Grimmauld Place. I think it before is they on, had the, their on the door where they kept then like yeah. throwing dung bombs. And they the tried to use the ears before yeah. on the meeting of the I, Order of the Phoenix. I think that's what they used. Okay. I sort of appreciate that this is just a general thing, and it it seems like it'd be, I mean, how what better way to have like doctor-patient mm-hmm. uh, confidentiality and things like that than, than this... <laughs> incredibly useful thing that is pretty cool yeah (laughs) i also imagine practical application yeah it's super practical it's super useful and something that it wants you want to have it be like the last charm that you teach the students before they leave hogwarts because oh my god having students have access to this would be Mm -mm. awful like you could just cheat on tests like you could just have it we have no evidence that our kids have learned how to do this yet (laughs) Absolutely not. It would break the world. Yes. Are we ready for your favorite part of the episode, Spencer? Yes, 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 yes. Spencer, mm. I'm going to ask you now before you've seen it, and you're going to answer just after, how disappointed are you that there's no mistletoe in this picture? Okay, you want me to look now? Yes. Next time we have chapter 23, Christmas on the Closed Ward. Oh, dear God, BJ. <laughs> where would it hang? I don't want to know where it would hang off the star there on the no- that is some macabre shit right here this, this i'm guessing this is in the black household because it was that line of just you know honored servants of the family line uh that are afraid like deer like like deer heads from a quality hunt mm-hmm. which now has a santa hat a santa beard and what appears to be a star tied to the nose it's festive yeah <laughs> i'm glad to see festive and complete lack of respect for the dead <laughs> it's like this is the kind of, this is the category of thing if you know the fam if the family of that particular house elf walked in and saw you doing that they'd have a lawsuit for negligent for negligent or intentional infliction of emotional distress. But sure, yeah, holidays. Well, not when you are not a legally recognized person by the Ministry of Magic. I think you're you're probably safe. Wow, thank you, Sarah. You made that so much worse. <laughs> I've been it's learning from BJ. <laughs> there's a Santa hat on an elf. That's true. We got a little mixed mm-hmm. signal going on here. Mm-hmm. It's also a weird Santa hat, too. Is there, is, there, is there like a little palm that's also dangling off the tip of the hat, too? I think so. so Do you think that the sorting hat dresses up for Christmas? Yes. Yeah, oh, God. There's a festive season colors. <laughs> Twinkly lights around its brim. <laughs> it, yeah, if, if it has proper Christmas lights that are just on it as it goes through the days, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've got coming up next time. All right. uh, This was a blast. Looking forward to the next chapter. Bye, guys.